The Athletic. You can break the camera. You want to yeah, break the camera? Okay, no, you break the camera. Okay. Countdown to kickoff in Qatar. While the press play Qatar mouse with security, we Qatar log eight more contenders. Will France advance? How far will Messi go? How far will Mexico? Will Denmark strikers see their shots blocked as easily as their TV crews? It's all coming up in a special Totally the World Cup preview, sponsored by Live Score Bet. Excellent. Well, here again with Michael Cox and James Horncastle and Maurizio Pochettino for the second of our World Cup previews. Maurizio, we were saying before about all the different factors that can make a great World Cup run, and some of them as simple as living arrangements at camp. World Cup roommates, how is that decided? <laughs> I think so. Now they are alone. I think the last the last time in football, I think a player used... Um, to be alone in their own room. In in our in our World Cup, I was with Batistuta. Uh, my my was my my friend and my teammate because um, we arrived to Newell's Old Boys uh, with uh, 14, 15 year old together, and we built a very good relationship. And then when we arrived to the World Cup, uh, we were together in the both in the in the room. And um, yes, it was different because we didn't have a PlayStation to play. Uh, you know, only we can watch some games yes, or, or some TV. But in Japan, it was difficult to watch TV because, you know, we didn't understand nothing in Japanese. But <laughs> but I think uh, you need to have some similar habits because if I I love to wake up early and my teammate want to sleep, and you need to share many things. I think it's, that is about the player, how they feel. I think the coaching staff always ask to the player when is the possibility to share uh, rooms. Is not to put some player that is not fit with another and, and to have the, the good uh, you know idea of the couples. But um, in general, it's, it's shared with the coaching staff, player and share, um, right. coaching staff. When, you mentioned when you were at Newell's. Weren't you Maradona's roommate when you went to Newell's? Was he an early riser? No, 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 no. He loved to sleep because in general uh, we go to the bed uh, late on the, on the night. <laughs> he loved to, to be on the night talking, uh, watching TV. One was on, on the room, eh? One mm. was on the room right. with me. Sometimes was away, but you know, uh, yes, no, no, it was amazing. Amazing experience with Maradona during six months sharing the news always the, the room. Yeah. What what a privilege for you. I mean, he must have been an idol of yours growing up. Yeah, he was my idol. Was my always was my hero. You know, uh, and uh, to have the possibility to share with him uh, and be a, his teammate, uh, that was the, the first thing that was amazing. But and then when we arrived to the first time to the hotel and and, Marado, and Diego say, oh, I want to go with Mauricio to to my room. I want that he will be my my roommate. I cannot believe. My first night, I didn't sleep watching him, you know, looking at him and saying, that is not real. I am with Maradona next to me, two meters next to me. And that was a, was an amazing experience. And then uh, many, many anecdotes that I can't explain, but that is in the future. <laughs> <laughs> because we don't have time, but I think it was an amazing experience. I, uh, I am a very lucky man, very lucky guy. Oh, that, 
Lovely stuff, Mauricio. Uh, let's talk then about Argentina at this World Cup because it's not since the days of Diego, 1986, that Argentina have won a World Cup. I don't know if anyone's mentioned that, particularly back home, but you're kind of due for one. <laughs> I remember really, really well. I was in Argentina in my own town. Uh, I was uh, was an amazing, an amazing uh, period in our in my life. Mm. You know, so amazing. That's what thirty six years ago now, and I'm sure you felt the pressure of that that weight, those expectations when you went in two thousand and two. You were talking about the fact that you. Your Argentina had an amazing record of unbeaten, well, an amazing unbeaten round going into uh, South Korea and Japan, and, yes. and then it didn't quite work out. You didn't perform the way you wanted. Was that pressure? And how much do you think that's going to be affecting this year's side? I don't believe uh, Argentina arrived without pressure. After the Copa America, when they beat uh, Brazil in Brazil, in the Maracana, I think they, they feel this relief. I see now... In Argentina, there are a massive belief in, in this uh, national team. And of course, the king is, is Leo Messi. All believe that the, the team is going to play for him. All the team may know very well that if they want to have a chance, a chance to win the World Cup, they need to play uh, for him. And I think uh, they, uh, they understand. And, but for me, it's a, it's a massive uh, key point of when they won the, the, the Copa America, because now they feel uh, very confident to beat uh, Brazil in Brazil, in the Maracanã, of course, was without public because uh, it was the pandemic, uh, the COVID uh, problem. But I think they feel, they feel with the confidence that they can do uh, big things in this, in this World Cup. Mm. They are on an amazing run of form, 35 games unbeaten yes. in qualifying just two goals conceded in, in the last 14 Copper America champions, as Mauricio mentions. Uh, James, you saw them at, at Wembley taking on, or taking apart rather, the European champions, Italy in the finalissima. Yeah, they were magnificent uh, in that game. And also you saw what they have on the bench. Um, you know, they could bring on a player like Paolo Dybala. Um, and Dybala scored within two minutes of coming on. But I do think there's a really great atmosphere within uh, that Argentina camp. Um, you see it, you see that, I think, Messi, I mean, Mauricio just referenced it there, that they've, they've, there's less pressure on them. After winning the Copa America for the first time since 1993, um, they feel that they've achieved something and they can go into this tournament with a lot of positivity. And another one of the, the players who I think um, deserves to be talked about more is Lautaro Martinez, because... Yeah, he's replaced Gonzalo Higuain, Higuain who's retired, Sergio Aguero who also had to retire. And Yelatado during World Cup qualifying was the top scorer with Messi, um, seven goals. He was part of the Copa America winning team. And uh, Inter, you know, he has usually scored in the big games. You know, you look at his Champions League record, he scored away in Barcelona, away to Real Madrid, away in Dortmund. He raises his game. And the other thing that I think is really great about him is his ability to strike up partnerships with the weather. He's very intelligent in that, um, you know, he's played with Lukaku and he's brought the best out of Lukaku. He's played with Dzeko. He's brought the best out of Dzeko. And clearly Messi likes playing with him. And I think a lot of people, you know, as many people would say, it's quite easy to play with Messi. I think some players have made it look quite hard over the years, but not Lautaro. So um, I think uh, that's another reason for, for Argentina to be positive going into this. Time. All right. Any reasons for Argentina not to be positive, Michael Cox? 
Well, they don't have the the depth that they once did. But actually, I agree with James. I th- I kind of think that's a positive. I I think there's you know there was a period where they had Tevez, they had Paloma, they had Melito, they had Higuain, they had so many players, Aguero, they had so many players who are used to being the stars. It feels to me like everyone just knows their roles here. So no, I think Argentina are really strong. I mean, thirty five unbeaten since Emi Martinez came into the side. He's kept thirteen clean sheets in eighteen games. I mean, that is a recipe for going quite deep in the tournament. Absolutely, Mauricio, you had the the pleasure of of managing. Leo Messi at Paris Saint-Germain. I, I mean, I assume that was a pleasure or, or, or maybe it's not as easy as it looks, but his role in this side has changed since Argentina's last World Cup. I think they changed the view of the people. I think the people wanted Leo Messi to have this show, this uh, leadership that uh, all team need uh, to be, to be uh, successful. Now everyone recon- recognizes him like a leader. He became very mature in this area. And of course, that for me is the best player in the world. But now have more influence in the, in the teammates. Now it's, it's his team. He feel it's his team. The player play for him. And everyone recognize he is the king. They build a very good spirit of, uh, and translate this energy to the, to the, to the team. That is uh, it's amazing. And then, uh, yes, I, I, I was so lucky. That is why I said to you before, I am a lucky guy, but I was uh, uh, during one year with him. Of course, that he wasn't in his best because it was a massive shock to change Barcelona for Paris. Big problem with the COVID. Was the, the eliminatorias playing for the qualification of uh, the World Cup uh, three games every single month, uh, every 15 days, uh, uh, going to Argentina, back... Uh, not possible to do a properly training session. It was 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 really a difficult difficult year, but now that is more stable. I was more stable from the beginning this season with the possibility to uh, be doing the 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 the, the pre-season and training and be stable there in Paris. I start to show again that is capable of be the best again. And um, yes, I, I think all the f- football people wish to see Messi. Lifting the, the the trophy because I think uh, he deserved no. It's the, the big thing that he deserved no. But um, I really believe that Argentina. I, I agree with James and, and, and Michael in both ideas, you know. But um, the difference with the another World Cups that now is so clear the idea how they need to play so clear that the leader is is Leo Messi and everyone trusts and our confidence, and now it's easy to play for the Argentine players to play with Messi. It's not easy to play with, with Messi, but Lautaro built this relationship that can uh, provide, because not the, the good things, the successful to, to Argentina. Argentina, a team with so much riding on this, this tournament. How does the group look for them, the other teams in there, Mexico, Poland and Saudi Arabia? Mexico, still searching for El Quinto Partido having been eliminated from the last seven World Cups at the round of 16. Poland, who were, I mean, rubbish last year at the Euros, <laughs> fair to say, Lewandowski or not, and Saudi Arabia. Look out for their home kit, by the way. It's weirdly similar to Newcastle's. <laughs> what? Mm. Yeah. Um, all right, which, which one of those do you think will be going through to probably take on France in the last 16? Well, I'm going to Mexico-Argentina, which I'm... Mm excited to see the stands the fans because that'll be a great atmosphere um at that game we saw mexico okay 
you mentioned their last World Cup that they, they did upset Germany, um, mm. James. Poland have a lot of talent, but we've been saying that for a long, long time. I mean, they are almost the most Serie A-ish team in that, uh, what, 11 players from Italy uh, are playing for Poland. And there are some really talented players. You Pick know. out a name that people won't know that you've been seeing in Serie A. Well, the, the, the Polish De Bruyne, uh, Peter Zielinski, who is 28 now, um, but has been in outstanding form for an Napoli side that has won 11 straight games. I don't it? think he qualifies as a player people won't know, I've got well, to say. I, I, I you're, a bit, you're going a bit mainstream there. James, I, I, I will go with uh, Zaleski then, okay. um, who is the wing-back who, you know, Jose Mourinho, he never gets, gives kids a chance, mm. but he did give Zaleski a chance. Right. And Zaleski, to be honest, when he was coming through at Roma, he was more a number 10 or a winger rather than a wing-back. Um, and he's just a very bold, daring player, likes to take on his man, uh, a lot of energy. So, yeah I, yeah, I really like him. One Polish player to uh, watch out for, I'm not quite sure how to pronounce this, but Matty Cash. <laughs> yeah. That's correct, James. Matt. Right. I mean, he, he's, he's a great wing-back. Mm. I think he'll suit this system very well. Okay. Excellent. Another Let- guy who's in this group who could have played for Poland is Paolo Dybala. Is that right? He could have yeah. played for Poland? Yeah. How? Well, we have a piece coming out about that, I think, soon, so... On theathletic.com. Watch this space, yeah. All right, lovely stuff. That actually makes me want to subscribe. I'm massively intrigued. <laughs> I, I should say I do subscribe already. I'm right. Just, I'm, yeah. I'm just playing along. I mean, it's so cheap. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, that's that's Poland. Uh, you've got your Robert Lewandowski, who, as you mentioned earlier, James, has never scored at a World Cup, mm. but has been in terrific form for Barcelona, apart from in the Champions League, 17 goals in 16 games. So there'll be a danger. Raul Jimenez is still a player if there's a Mexico game involved. So it'll be interesting to see how how he's getting on there. And Saudi Arabia, who have... If you love the mystery of World Cup, if you, if you feel nostalgic about the days when we don't know too much about the teams, then you'll love teams like Kingdom of Saudi Arabia with obvious asterisks on that. But they have had their best qualifying campaign ever. They only lost once... In 10 matches, they topped a, a difficult group in the third round of qualifying. It's complicated. Uh, that included uh, Japan and Australia. So, And they've got Hervé Renard mm. out of Game of Thrones as their manager. <laughs> they've got Hervé Renard. Uh, they're going to have lots of fans there. True. They, like Qatar, have had a long training camp mm. just in preparation for this. I think they might be all right, actually. I mean, I think of Saudi Arabia and I think of... One, that goal in 94, and two, them getting thrashed by Germany in 2002. But I think they could be a decent side. Again, difficult to break down. I think they they know how to go about this, yeah. Okay. So Argentina, clearly. And then? Well, I'm going Poland with James. I, I Usually, I really enjoy watching Mexico. I think they're probably the only side in the world who've, who've gone to the last five World Cups and played entertaining football. But just looking at their results and their squad this time around, I'm a bit sceptical, I must say. I mean, they usually do get to the round of 16 and go out there, but I'm just not quite sure they have the quality. There's question marks about the manager, Tata Martino, who isn't that popular in Mexico, mm. although, of course, he is an Argentine. He did used to coach Messi, so maybe he'll be able to... He uh, knows him. Yeah. So well. Maybe maybe yeah. come, up to, uh, come up with a plan for that. But yeah, usually I'd back Mexico to go through, but I think Poland maybe will just edge it. What I like about Mexico... and. Yeah, a lot of their players play in the Liga Amex, which just goes to show the financial strength of that league, one of the world's great leagues. I think 16 of their 26 squad uh, play at home. Um, so, you know, at a time when, for example, 
you know, if we go south to South America, where, you know, Brazil, for example, is a league where players are well paid, but ultimately only three players in the Brazil squad play uh, their, their home football with what Corinthians and Flamengo. Same with Argentina. Very few players actually play in Argentina. So it's kind of, I think it's kind of cool when the national team is um, so many, it draws so many of its players from its own league. So you think right. Saudi Arabia yeah. pretty cool as well. Yeah, fair point. All right. That's Group C. I can only mean Group D is next. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. We're sponsored for this episode of The Totally Football Show by Shopify. Shopify is the global commerce platform helping you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify's there to help you grow. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, which is up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms. Plus, you can sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. And what's more, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 support is there to help your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Now, because you listen to The Totally Football Show, you can sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com totally, all in lowercase. So go to shopify.com slash totally to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. That's S-H-O-P-I-F-Y dot com slash totally. We're all driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. You can use Indeed for scheduling, screening and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. According to their own survey, 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites. Remember the last time you were hiring and how slow and overwhelming it was? Well, you don't need to go through all that again. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent. And because you listen to The Totally Football Show, Indeed is going to give you a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash totally. That's I-N-D-E-E-D.com slash totally. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed at Indeed.com. This upcoming World Cup, what are the Athletic going to be doing about it? 
Well, every night I'll be hosting a totally football show with the likes of Raphael Honigstein, James Horncastle and the rest of the Totally crew. Then every morning from Qatar, wham, the athletic football podcast will be at you with David Ornstein, Matt Slater, Adam Crafton and many more. There'll also be World Cup content from Adam Hurry's Football Clichés podcast, Michael Cox's insightful athletic football tactics podcast and Joe Devine's TIFO podcast with all the stories that matter from Qatar. All in all, The Athletic is your essential audio companion for the upcoming World Cup. This is the Totally Football Show, sponsored by LifeScore Bet, the home of squads. Squads is a weekly free-to-play game. You reveal five players across the week which make up your squad and you can earn cash each time they score in the selected games. The cash amount is decided by LiveScore Bet's prize wheel and can range from 10p up to £50 per goal, which you can spend once the final player is revealed. Find out more and play squads for yourself for free at LiveScoreBet.com or by downloading the LiveScore Bet app on Android and iPhone. It's over 18s only and full terms and conditions apply. Please bet responsibly and be gambleaware.org. Incredible game. When they play with a false nine, it changes everything. A false nine, eh? What's that, then? Well, it's, um, <laughs> you, you know, it's well, he's a nine, but he's not really a nine in the area, and... Uh... Oh, sorry, I've just got to take that. Urgent football question? Call the Athletic Emergency Football Hotline. 0800 433 433. News, insights, analysis, The Athletic. Know the game, love the game. On Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Smart Speaker and now ad-free on The Athletic, this is The Totally Football Show with James Richardson. France there, winning the big one in Moscow four years back and now bidding to become the first nation in 60 years to retain the title and not crash out this time, please. In the group stage, with many folk touting Les Bleus as favourites, we've got the opinion of a full-time French person, Julien Laurent. I think the only weakness really I think, in that team has to be the midfield. This maybe sounds a little bit harsh because they're still very, very talented players that Deschamps called up in that area, in that department. He's just a little bit young. So no Pogba, no Conte. We knew that before. I think Deschamps had to, was really wanted to believe until the end that either Pogba or Conte or maybe both could make it. So he hasn't really prepared the, the post-Conte and Pogba era in a sense, which is now really, even if it's just temporary, it's still now, it's still this World Cup. Rabiot, Chouameni, Kamavinga, Fofana, Veretu and Ganduzi are very good midfielders. They, they're talented kids, they're intelligent. Um, I think they're hungry and they're motivated, but none of them has ever played in a World Cup game. Only Rabiot has played at the Euros. They have played in Europe or in Champions League, but again, apart from Rabiot, it's very limited, top, top kind of European experience, at domestic level, if you want. Um, so this might be a weakness in the sense that once France play against a, a team with strong, experienced midfielders who've been there before, who know how to 
kind of exploit your weaknesses or the things that you don't do well or maybe the tension that you feel or the pressure on you, then I think France could be in big trouble. But we need to give them a chance. You know, you, you, there's no edge really. Like Kylian Mbappé always says, if you're good enough, you're old enough. Really, mm. I know that. I'm just hoping that they will go from strength to strength in a group stage and then when the big, big games happen, they are a bit more ready, they are a bit better and they can cope maybe with the pressure, which is the thing that really scares me the most. The depth is there, especially defensively, when you think about that new generation that Deschamps has called up, the Salibas, Konate, Zupamecanos, Disassina as well, who replaced Kimpembe on Monday. And then obviously, I used to call them the Magnific Magnificent Seven. Now it's the, uh, the Super Eight with Marcus Turan, but those eight forwards that they have who have literally everything from the top top in Benzema and Mbappe to different profiles, different ages, different forms, different experiences. All of that, I think, make their, their front eight or their eight, the eight forwards that they have in their squad amazing, really. And I think only Brazil has, has better forwards than them. So if the midfield can hold on, I think mm -hmm. defensively and offensively, it can be very, very good. So... We'll have to see if the midfield can hold and the rest of the team can carry it. How will they line up? So interestingly, uh, Deschamps in the last two press conferences, the one where he announced the squad on Wednesday and then the mm. one on, on Monday for the first day where they were together at Clafontaine, gave a few informations. The first one is that they're going to go back to a back four. So forget the back three, for, forget the wing backs. They're going back to a back four now. And Who would that like, be? So Lucas Hernandez, who usually plays centre-back in the three, is now more of a left-back, uh, Deschamps said. So between him and Theo, his brother, they will fight for a place, a left-back position. So I think Koundé or Pavard are right-back, probably Pavard. Then I think you could have Koundé and, and Varane at the two centre-backs. And then one of the two Hernandez brothers are left-back, probably Lucas, because he's been to a World Cup before. He's less attacking, which I think Deschamps likes as well. So let's say... Pavar, Koundé, Varane and, and Lucas Hernandez. And then I think because of the lack of experience in that midfield, he would go for a midfield three instead of a midfield two because if you add an, an extra midfielder and make it three, you obviously reduce quite a lot the risk for a mistake and they can mm. compensate each other, they can help each other out. Who would so the I three think be Jules? Fofana, Chouameni and Rabio, which mm -hmm. is quite complementary. One left footer in Rabio who can bring the ball forward well, Chouameni who is so powerful, so good on the ball, but as well defensively. And then Fofana, who, who is the, the holder and who's done really well with Monaco this season. And then Griezmann as a 10 in, in the diamond midfield. And then obviously the front two of Benzema and Mbappe, who you think if they play at their best, could almost be unstoppable for anyone. Indeed. Jules, the self-destruct question though. There's no player in there who's likely to kick off if things don't go exactly his way, is there? I don't, think, I don't think there is. What I think is very interesting is that at the Euros in 2021, Deschamps kind of gave a bit more freedom to the squad in general. I think he thought after the World Cup in 2018, there was a lot of boys still from that World Cup into the, the Euros World Cup. And he said they know what to do to go far and do well and win it. So I can take a step back here. And that, that was a big mistake. And I really don't think he will make that mistake again. He will go back to Deschamps as the kind of father figure, overseeing everything, over deciding everything, down to the, the last little details, even how they play table tennis, for example. So, which was not the case in 2021, but was the case in Russia in 2018. So, Wait, what's, the, what's the wrong way of playing table tennis? So, you know, 
you can play table tennis you and against I, or we can yes. play all together with Charlie and James and Rafa and Alvaro and you hit the ball and then you round you, right and then round you the run clock. around the table. I yeah. don't know how you call that game. Round the clock, I think we okay. used to, but yeah. I mean. So in in French it's la tournante, so you, because oui. you turn around the table. But in Russia, I think he felt that the players when they were running, they were because yeah. they wanted to win and go as fast Those as they can around. Yeah. yeah, they were too close. So he shouted at them saying, what are you doing? This is crazy. This is stupid. And that's the Deschamps that won them the World Cup. Mm. Not the Deschamps that took a really quite a big step back in 2021 and kind of let them do their things. That didn't work. I think he's going to go back to the 2018 Deschamps. All right. Corners as important in table tennis as they are in football. Exactly. Yeah. You said it. I think they are amongst the favourites. Maybe not the top, top favourite. There's a reason why no country since Brazil in 62 retained it is because that's how hard it is that's how difficult it is and we know the curse of the the holders being knocked out in the group stages i don't think it would be the case with france I, I think they will qualify for the for the knockout stage and then we will see the objective set by deschamps and the federation is semi-final i think once you get there anything is possible of course but i think that this team if they get there will then win it will win the next two games and win it so yeah i hope i hope we can do it make history all right bon chance mon ami Merci, James. Au revoir. Au revoir. Mauricio, no, no World Cup winner has repeated since 1962. What, what, what do you think of France's chances? It's true that we'll miss some uh, key player in a, in a really important area, like it's the midfielder area. They maybe the, the, It's not there. They will not show the experience that maybe need. But I think they have great players. And like you say, it's insane, the, the, the offensive player. You have amazing, amazing players. And then the tradition. I think France now is, uh, have the belief. Um, I have very good relationship, of course, with the world Lloris. And of course, I was in France in the last, uh, the last year and a half and the, the last two years. I know really well that they, they can compete in their best. You know, maybe it's true that it's not exciting when you, you, you watch France. It's not that you are in love in every single moment when you. It's not. It's not an exciting idea of football, but they have quality. They have quality, and in this type of tournament, is they find the way to performance. They have killer in front. If they are solid in 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 the back, uh, they have one for me the best player. In, like I think with Brazil, the more best offensive player, no, in the in the world. I, I think. I think it's one of the favorites to be with the, on the end with the, with the World Cup. You had Kylian Mbappé with you at Paris Saint-Germain as part of your illustrious uh, coaching career so far. How do you stop him? It's difficult to stop. If he finds the space to run and the possibility to, to, to put the ball in front, I think it's impossible to stop. It's a player that needs to be more, uh, during the game, uh, more consistent. It's a player that appear and disappear, appear and disappear. He needs to be connected with the game. He's uh, it's a player that when we were there, uh, we were fighting about that, no? to try to make him better, in general, better player. It's not only to be active when the ball is, is next to him, if not to behave more like, uh, you know, without ball, more connected with the game. But... He's, he's a player that with a, an amazing quality. For me, one of the best stri- uh, offensive players in the world. Maybe not in the level of Neymar of Messi at the moment, because I think they're more complete player. But like a killer, he's a player that can kill a game, of course, in one or two action. 
And of course, if you focus in on, on him too much, you've got the reigning Ballon d'Or, Kareem the Dream, Benzema standing by. Um, Mauricio, obviously you, you coached Neymar as well. Um, this is a huge World Cup for him. Could well decide his legacy as a player. Um, what was your experience of, of, of working with him? What were the, what were the ups and the downs with, uh, with Neymar? For me, Neymar is, uh, is really genuine. He uh, is always is going to express what he feels. He's happy. He's going to show that he's happy. He's upset. He's, uh, he's sad. Uh, he's going to show the, the emotions. He's never is to, he's not going to hide nothing. After one year and a half working with him, you love him because he's genuine and he's an amazing talent. Uh, we had many, many conversations uh, because he, he loves football. He's Brazilian. He loves uh, samba, dance, the happiness. He sees the life in a different way that maybe the, like me, like uh, we are Argentino, we are different, no? And I like in the way that they or he is because his inspiration is his happiness. He needs to be happy to play football and show the quality. He needs to be in a very good uh, mental level. He cannot be sad and go to play and give uh, his best. And that is why I think uh, now is in a very good point. It's in a good moment for him to show the real quality and the leadership. He has big, big character and can be a leader that Brazil way uh, expect to be close to win again. I think we are in a moment that is going to be very interesting, the, the, the World Cup, because Messi is in his best moment. Neymar is in his best moment. And there are two kings, you know, and we'll see what happens. I think both are big, big uh, contenders to win the, the World Cup, and it's going to be a massive joy to see them to play in this World Cup. Excellent, excellent. Michael, what kind of World Cup is it going to be from France this time? I think they'll probably be quite boring. I was amazed to see a stat in World Soccer magazine from James Easton that they've played 33 group games uh, this century and they've averaged 1.24 goals per game. I mean, that is really bad, isn't it, considering the amount of attacking talent they have. Um, I think they'll get through the group, but I think Deschamps is... He is Deschamps. He's going to be cautious. He's going to be solid. I think they'll rely on individual brilliance rather than kind of possession play and cohesion. I mean, this is very similar to a group from four years ago. Uh, France, Australia and Denmark were all together. That time they had Peru rather than Tunisia. Peru were very exciting. Tunisia aren't going to be very exciting this time. And that group four years ago produced nine goals in six games. Ooh. And I think it's going to be a kind of a similar group this time around. But surely this France team with the Super 8... Um, would you know would, is guarantees goals galore yeah I, I just don't trust Deschamps to uh, to open up in the group stage but we'll, we'll wait and see mm. also Denmark beat France in the Nations League in September right they beat them twice in fact yeah Rasmus Christensen was very good at keeping uh, Mbappe quiet um, I know that uh, Denmark seem to be everybody's dark horse or okay. surprise team mm. yeah can they really be that when they reached the semi-finals of the Euros and England needed extra time in order to knock them out whilst playing at Wembley. I don't think that's a dark horse for me. That's just a very good team that's going into the tournament on the back of a good couple of years. Well, absolutely. Nine wins in 10 qualifying matches. That remarkable record against France in the Nations League. Two victories. The semi-finals at the Euros and Christian Eriksen being back. Yeah. 
and slotting straight in immediately, scoring, what, a couple of minutes after making his first appearance since his return from the dramatic events of Euro 2020. Yeah, no, I mean, they're just a really well-balanced team. Um, and, yeah, Michael's talked a lot about clean sheets. Mm. I mean, the defence just looks very, very solid with Joachim Anderson, uh, Christensen or Simon Kier. And the fullbacks I really like as well. I think um, I mentioned Christensen already, but um, Joachim Meiler is one of those players who seems to perform better for his national team than for his, his club. I mean, he played very well at the Euros mm. um, last time around. So, yeah, there's a lot to like about the Danes. You've got Damsgaard as well, who Brentford fans love, and uh, Hoybier, who's evolving into an ever ever more key midfielder. Yeah, Delaney's a great player in the centre of the pitch. I really like Norgaard as well. Um, I think he came back from injury at the weekend at uh, in the win at Manchester City for uh, for Brentford. Yeah, I mean, they're a really good team, and they're flexible as well. I mean, they showed that in the game against Wales, I think it was at the Euros, where they switched from four at the back to three at the back with Christensen stepping forward. And that really won them the game. The, the, the one thing I'd be a bit concerned about is that semi-final. I thought Hulman, his subs, I mean, I thought he lost that as much as England won it. He, he kind of took off all his best players, went really cautious. And I, I just hope he doesn't do that again because it feels like, to me, Denmark a side that can just impose themselves and, and see out games by dominating rather than going into their shell. Who else in the group then? You've got Australia, who will be the first team to take on France. They got through a playoff penalty shootout with Peru to be here and Tunisia who you say will not be interesting Michael I think they are another of these sides who kind of know the game they know that if they play an open match they're going to be dominated by the likes of Denmark and France and probably get beaten quite heavily so I think they're going to be quite counter-attacking to be honest um but yeah I mean I don't think they'll be embarrassed I, I've got a bit of a soft spot for Wabi Kazri I think mm. one of the best set pieces uh, takers probably at this tournament so I would back them to finish ahead of Australia in this really game. Australia are we all praying for another Australia penalty shootout at some point in this <laughs> I don't know if you recall the extraordinary event, events in there in that playoff against Peru when uh, Andrew Remain came on and uh, took the legacy of Grobelar and Dudek and pushed it up to at least 11 <laughs> Remarkable. They had a pretty rough time in qualifying. They lost a couple of times to Japan, failed to score against Saudi Arabia, drew at China and Amman. Is this group quite cut and dried then, France and Denmark? I think it is. I must say, I generally have a bit of a soft spot for Australia just because I quite like watching them A-League on Saturday mornings. Is that right, Michael? Yeah, they're just really open, entertaining games. But just looking at the, the squad here... It's just not that much quality. I mean, they don't have any players in the Premier League, which feels mad to me. 10, 15 years ago, they had loads, but I'm just not quite sure where the uh, attacking quality will come from here. Mm. Is that the influx of money in the A-League, do you think, that means that the homegrown stars are, or just that they're... Well, James maybe has a soft spot. Oh, a lot of them play in Scotland. Yeah. <laughs> uh, either with Ange at Celtic or with the hearts of Midlothian, who have been playing European football this year, but they went out... <laughs> Lost quite heavily. I love it when people say the full name. Yes, That's Hearts of Oak. Be, yeah. um, I wonder if there are any Ghana players in the Hearts of Oak. But yeah, there we go. <laughs> full Hearts. I oh, know it's Clear Hearts. Full. No, is it Full Hearts? Clear Eyes. Can't lose. There you go. Boom. Any of those work. Yeah. <laughs> Very good. Well, that's Group D. And remember, whoever comes second in that could well be facing Argentina. So if Denmark were to spring a surprise on France, what a last sixteen clash that would be. Hmm. Well, there you have it. Let's uh, let's just finish with a quick round of who's going to be qualifying from those four groups. First of all, Group A. Netherlands and Senegal. And Senegal. All right. Do you guys agree with that? Or do you see an upset maybe from 
I think it depends on, on Mane's fitness. I think if he's out, Ecuador could come into the equation. All right. Uh, group B then, James, tell us what's going to happen here. England, Iran, USA and Wales? Iran and England will qualify. Ooh. Anyone disagree with that? I'm going England and USA, but I feel like the point situation might be... I, I feel like the group winner might win it with five points. It might be that kind of group. Good Lord. Mauricio? Yeah, for me, it's obvious, no? England and... Uh... For me, in between USA or, or Wales. Right, that's very much the question. But OK, Group C, Argentina, Saudi Arabia, Mexico and Poland. Well, <laughs> I think Argentina and it's difficult between Poland and Mexico. I mean, Lewandowski hasn't scored at a World Cup. I mean, surely that's going to happen this time around. I think Poland have got more quality than Mexico. Um, so Argentina and Poland. All right. I agree with James. All right. Mauricio, you agree? I agree. Good. And which means Group D, France, Australia, Denmark and Tunisia. This one looks quite cut and dried. Yeah, I, I think this is one of the more predictable groups. I think Denmark are a really good side, actually. And of course, France, the, the reigning champions. So, yeah, those two. As long as they don't do one of those French World Cups, of course, like, you know. Anyway, very good. Uh, next time... Raphael Honigstein, Duncan Alexander and Leon Tharm will be joining us here to talk about such delights as Brazil, Germany and Spain. But that brings us to the end of, uh, of this set of previews. Mauricio, best of luck for the World Cup. Where, where are you going to be watching it all? From the beginning here in London and then uh, I will move to Qatar uh, 25 Brilliant. of November. Oh, well, have a great trip and best of luck in the future. And thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you so much. Michael and James, you'll be with us as the tournament progresses here on the Totally Football Show with you every night, an hour or two after the final game. Look out for that then, listener, for now, though, from all of us here. It's goodbye. You've been listening to the Totally Football Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. Listen ad-free on the Athletic app, discover bonus video content by searching for the Totally Football Show on YouTube and see the very latest subscription offers at theathletic.com slash totally. The Totally Football Show is an athletic media company production and sponsored by LiveScore Bet. Get the latest football betting odds at LiveScoreBet.com. It's over 18s only. Please bet responsibly and be gambleaware.org. The Athletic.